Welcome, 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 everyone. Scott Thompson, Senior Vice President of Global Franchise Development. We're Tudor Doctor in the house. Fio, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. It's a beautiful day here. So just we have a, a great guest uh, today. You know, today's topic is going to be about how you go about funding your business. What are the best avenues to take, whether it's a franchise, whether it's a multi-unit program you're going to go into, whether you're going to use your 401k. And the, and, the, and the guest we have today, she's been in franchising for many years. Uh, she's the National Director of Franchise Relations for Fran Fund, uh, one of the top premier uh, funding sources out there for franchise companies. How are you today, Abby Nickel? I'm excellent, Scott. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, it's, these are always fun, um, and uh, hopefully we can give the audience some really good nuggets to walk away with and help them decide which is the best way to fund their business. So, Abby, before we jump in, why don't you give a quick background on your career and kind of what led you to this position and, and why you love to work at FranFund so much? Perfect. So I started my franchising career with an organization called Citywide Maintenance. Um, they offered commercial cleaning services to, you know, their local networks. And I was really introduced to franchising as kind of a, on a whim because I joined them as the marketing director, learned a lot about franchising in that role and realized that it was something that I was very passionate about and I wanted to get involved with more. And so moved into a director of development role, which meant that I was responsible for recruiting and bringing on new franchisees to establish a, lo a citywide location in their local market. Um, I did that for about three and a half years and was then recruited by Fran Fund to help them develop a department that really focused and specialized on helping franchisors specifically understand what funding options were available to their systems and how to go about building those programs and educating their franchisees and really making sure that funding was um, something that didn't slow the process down and didn't scare and confuse their their candidates because the money piece of any business can oftentimes be overwhelming, especially for those people who've never done this before. So while my background wasn't in finance specifically, understanding that franchise development process and how a franchisor operates and what's important to them and their franchisees has been incredibly value, valuable in my position and something that I lean on on a regular basis to make sure that I'm getting relevant information to my clients and I'm really helping them understand this seemingly complex portion of their, their business. Okay. So I'm, I'm at the point in my decision-making and, and I've looked at multiple brands um, or I've looked at, you know, buying this brand, this business from somebody else. Um, I'm ready to do something. What, what should I, what, what, how do I figure out what's the best funding options for me? I've got some assets. I've, you know, I've got some savings. What what are the what is the best course of action for me? Yeah, that's a really great question. And you know, we always talk about funding as happening early on in the process. So one of the things that I always recommend to franchisors and the clients that they work with is make sure that this is something that you don't wait until the end to start talking about. When funding is beginning to be part of the conversation, whether it's you've chosen the franchise you want to work with, or you're trying to figure out what type of investment level you should be pursuing. Um, 
understanding what your options are and taking a holistic view at all of this is so incredibly important to making sure that you get set up properly. Um, so there are two different scenarios that we oftentimes see. And one of them is that the franchisee gets to the end of the process. They love the franchise or everyone wants to move forward. And the person hasn't taken that step necessarily to get their funding in place and they are qualified, but it takes them an extra, you know, two, four, six weeks, however long to get place and so it can really slow down their ability to to get on what do you think what what, what, i'm sorry to interrupt you what what do you think uh causes people to pause and not do it earlier in the process what's their what are most people's kind of fears that prevent them from doing that i think part of it is making sure they want to do this it it, everyone is really different but one of the reasons that we hear a lot is i just want to make sure that this is something i really want to do first And in my opinion, that's a little backwards. So when you go and um, start looking at homes to purchase or a car to purchase, you know, a real estate agent won't even talk to you or show you homes unless they know you can actually end up buying that home because it's a waste of your time and theirs. And so I think oftentimes people flip the process in their brain a little bit because they want to make sure that this is something that they actually can do. And from my perspective, it's important to make sure you can financially do it just as much as it's important to make sure that you want How to do it. How quickly can business. someone get approved though? Like, so if I'm looking at getting a loan or, yeah. you know, and I, what type of paperwork do I have to fill out and, and how quickly can someone just at least know they're pre-approved, much like when you go to buy the house? Yeah. Right. Pre-approval is not a difficult process. Um the system that we take our, our clients through, they fill out a form or a, you know, a, a document that gives us a lot of information on their financial picture. And that takes them, you know, anywhere from five to it's 10. It's online, to I'm out. assuming. And then they have, it is online. Mm-hmm. It's all digital. And it gets sent to us to evaluate with them and understand what it is that they have access to and what they're willing to touch in order to get that pre-approval. So, you know, every organization is different. Some lenders will take people through a rigam and roll. But if you're working with someone who understands the franchise industry, a pre-approval process is not something, in my opinion, that is an arduous process. It's really more just understanding what you have access to, what you're willing to touch in order to get pre-approved and working with an organization who can sit down with you and say, okay, here's what you need to get there. Are you willing to access it or not? A pre-approval is not a you know, a lot of documentation, a lot of time spent on putting a package together. That doesn't happen. And, until and what's typically, you know, what are you looking for in that pre-approval so that people on the, on the line can, you know, understand what, you know, as they look at themselves, what, what are, you know, you're looking at what credit score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the lending side, it, in the SBA world and, and really any loan you're looking at, there are typically four what we call internally buckets that lenders review to ensure that you have the financial fortitude to take on this additional debt and, and, and qualify for a loan. The four categories are credit score, and we look at the score itself and your credit history. Um, the second one is equity injection or what you might consider cash injection or a down payment. So just like when you buy a home, a lender expects that a portion of the business total amount will be fronted by you 
just like when you buy a house, it's usually 20% down and then the lender funds the rest. It's very similar in an SBA loan as well. A percentage of that down, depending on the type of loan you're looking at, can be anywhere from 10 to 30% of that entire project. And when we say entire project, we mean everything from the franchise fee to the last working capital dollar that you need to make this business effective. So making sure that you have a certain percentage to put down on the loan is what we call equity injection. The third thing is that many loans require collateral, not all. And so this is a discussion we would have with the client on a case-by-case basis. If it is a project that you need to have collateral on, then typically um, lenders are looking for real estate. But we have, you know, and a lot of lenders will be flexible on what that collateral is on, once again, a case-by-case basis. And then the last thing lenders want to know is in all cases, unless you're taking on an existing business with good cash flow, you're not going to make money in that first, you know, six to 12 month period. And it, Scott, you know, you've been in, in this world for a very long time, even for those businesses that ramp up quickly. In most cases, good business owners are reinvesting those dollars back into their business in the first year. So a lender wants to assume that that business is not going to float you in your personal expenses for that first year period. So how are you going to pay your personal expenses and this new loan payment that you didn't have before? And that's what we call burn rate. So credit score, equity injection, collateral, and burn rate are the four things that we focus on when we go through this pre-approval process. With Very them. good. Good stuff. And, and so, you know, also some of the things that I also see folks doing is, let's say I don't have, you know, hundred thousand dollars of liquid capital sitting in a savings or checking account, but I have a hundred thousand dollars in say my 401k. Um, how are people using those funds to roll into the business to then use that as their injection to buy and to get the loan and then to buy ultimately the business? Yeah. Um, that is, that is exactly the, uh, rollover. Uh, there's a lot of different names for it. Internally, we call it the Fran plan, but the actual legal name for a program like that is called the Rob's program. I tell you, that is the worst acronym in the world. I tell you, our government is not good at acronyms. (laughs) They're really not, which is why most people don't call it that. Most people in our industry, as in the the franchise industry, the call Robs. it. I'm robbing my 401k. <laughs> so it's already scary enough to think about taking money out of your retirement account because we've been told our entire lives to save it, save it, save it. Don't touch it. It's not there for your use until obviously you retire. So there's this huge misnomer, like I just mentioned, that your retirement program, your, your retirement plan, excuse me, is off limits. It is not to be touched and you are to assume that that money is going to sit there until the day you retire and you need to access it, you know, what you might consider to be the legal way. Well, that is true in many cases, because if you take that money out in a traditional sense and you cash it out, you're going to be hit with fines and taxes and all sorts of things that dramatically decrease the value of that account. In many cases, if you have $100,000, like you mentioned, you could get taxed at 30, 40% and have pay another 10% in penalties. So you're actually taking out maybe closer to 60,000 and losing another 40 because of the method that you're going about it. That is not something that we recommend. That is a giant waste of good investment. 
But there is a program that allows you to utilize that money without actually taking it out of the account. And that's what this rollover program is. And it's this hidden gem in franchising. And I, I had never heard of it before. I think a lot of people are not aware of it. And it's, it's a great way for a lot of people to either pay for their entire business or, like you mentioned, to use it to meet the requirements of certain SBA loans, such as the equity injection or such as covering some of those expenses once the loan has closed in that burn rate category. So what the program actually does is it takes a qualified retirement account. It can be an IRA, a 401k, 403b. There are hundreds of different programs out there. And as long as it's not with an existing employer, then in many cases, it's a qualified account. So we take the money in that account and we create a new 401k on behalf of the client. The money is then rolled into that 401k and we simultaneously help them set up a C corporation. Now the plan is sponsored by this C corporation. And so the money can now be rolled into that C corporation at roughly $1 per share. And then there's a stock exchange done. And now that money in this new C corporation can be used for any legitimate business expense. It can be used to pay the franchise fee, working capital, any equipment or inventory you might need, you name it. And if it's for the business, it, that money can be used towards it. So there are no monies taken out of the account in the traditional sense. So those taxes and fees that you experience, if you were to cash out of an IRA or a 401k are non-existent and you're simply paying those uh, taxes great. as you would That's any other That's some really, really business. valuable information. So if I set that C-Corp up and then I buy the shares using the 401k dollars of that C-Corp, um, and put the capital in there in the bank account, I can then use that monies to actually get a loan because now it's it's mm -hmm. liquid capital that is there available as capital injection, correct? Correct. Yes. A lender won't necessarily view that as liquid capital when it's in your retirement account, but utilizing this program puts it into um, that liquid capital category to help you qualify for a loan or to use it for your entire investment, depending on what you're most comfortable with and what your long-term plan is as a business. That's great. So you, I, you know, I interrupted you and we got off on this tangent, which I think was a really good tangent. So, but take us back to, I think you were telling us number two, uh, it was like way back in the beginning, if we could rewind the podcast, but it was, you were kind of going down the path of giving us some examples of things. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the easy one is the one I mentioned. The, the person goes through the process. They love the brand. The brand loves them. They want to move forward and they are qualified, but it just takes them longer to get onboarded because they didn't start that funding conversation sooner rather than later. The unhappy end of that scenario is when someone goes through everything, they love the brand, the brand loves them. And while it may have looked like on paper, they were perfectly financeable, in the end, they're not. There's something that catches them that, that prevents them from being able to take this magnitude of a financial burden on. And now they've gone through this entire program, this process, they've fallen in love with a brand that they just can't make work. And you know, everyone, unfortunately, at the end of the day, doesn't get to move forward with this great candidate and this great brand. 
And so we always recommend that people start at least thinking about this, this piece of the process sooner rather than later, because we want to help people understand early on whether this is truly something they can make happen and how they can make it happen. Because for those people that don't have $500,000 sitting around to put into a business, most people have to have a financing plan in place. And so the sooner they figure that out, regardless of whether they're ready to act on it or not, the more confidence they have in moving through the rest of the process and the more that the franchisor and they know that this is really truly worth their time because they can make it work in the end if they choose to move forward. And so what also what I'm hearing too is as you, you know, when you, or if you do it early in the process, you get your pre-approval, almost like buying a house, you know what price range or loan amount they're willing to give you, which then also dictates what type of franchise is the best fit for you from a financial standpoint. Exactly. If you're looking at two companies and one is a, you know, more of a service oriented business and it's $150,000 and you're looking at a separate business that maybe requires more real estate build out equipment and it's in the 350 range, but you really can't qualify for anything over 250 or 300. Well, that helps you square down that, okay, well, this other option isn't a good fit for me. I should really focus on this, this separate brand that I love equally, but I can make work financially. It's not going to put me in a bind. Right. So what else? What are some other things that people should be thinking about as they're going about funding, you know, their business? You know, some tricks of the trade, you know, what if I've got, you know, already got some credit card debt or I've got some, you know, my credit score is not 100%. And what and what is an ideal credit score? Yeah, so in in the world of credit and credit score, credit score almost all lenders that work in that SBA realm and I'll I'll give a couple notes on the whole SBA piece in just a minute that I think are oftentimes misnomers. But 680 is really kind of what most lenders look for when they're underwriting a loan. It shows that the candidate has a good history of repayment. They haven't usually had any major black marks on their credit. You know, they're overall a pretty upstanding individual when it comes to paying back what they owe. Um also I think another thing that separately from those four qualifiers that's really important to understand that is oftentimes overlooked is understanding what your entire project is going to look like. A lot of people fall into this trap, especially when it comes to multiple units, where they take into consideration what it's going to take to get their franchise fee paid for maybe three units and get their first store open, but they don't have a plan for how two and three are going to get moving. And this is a huge problem because a lot of people in that category are assuming that the first store will fund their second and third stores. Well, Scott, you and I know that if someone is looking at more than one unit, that they typically have a development schedule mm-hmm. that they have to meet. And that is oftentimes a lot sooner than if the first store will cash flow positive to propel you into that second store. And so finding a partner or sitting down, if you believe yourself capable of doing this on your own and really figuring out not only how can I open this first store, but what is my plan for number two? And if your plan for number two is that the first store is going to fund the second store, then that's kind of like saying, I think I can do this because I want to. Well, 
yes, you want to, but businesses aren't started and successful because someone simply wants to do it. They have to have a plan. And that same mentality should be put into your financing plan. And so understanding if you're going to use the rollover or if you're going to use a loan, what that second store will be um, funded by is a huge gap that a lot of people don't consider when they get into the whole world of, you know, starting their business and so on and so forth. So regardless of whether it's multi-units or whatever the case might be, let's say you want to also, you want to be a multi-brand operator. Let's say you want to do a tutor doctor and you want to do a, um, you know, a pizza joint and whatever the case might be, you really have to understand what is my total goal and how am I going to get from A to B or A to Z, if you will. Um, because if you don't take that into consideration, you're going to find that you're not able to meet your goals in most cases as quickly or as easily as you'd like to. So I said that I wanted to touch on a couple of things regarding the SBA, because I think there are a few things that are misnomers. But before I do that, Scott, is there anything more you think I should touch on when it comes to kind of having your whole goal in mind when you're figuring out a financing plan? No, I think I think that, you know, you kind of touched on the key elements there. What are some odd ways of any any crazy, unique uh, ways of, or creative ways to get it, make a deal happen for yourself? Is there, is it, tell me what the oddest scenario you ever come across. <laughs> I get asked that question all the time. And I think that unfortunately there are not as many crazy funding options out there as people would like to believe. There are a lot of alternative funding. Um, you know, so give us some example of some alternative funding. Would it be like equipment leasing? Yeah, equipment leasing is the is the best version of that. But one of the things that we focus on too, in addition to that rollover on the SBA lending, is what do you have access to personally? And sometimes that might be a home equity line of credit. You know, if you're opening a, a service business like Tutor Doctor and you're not having to open multiple physical locations, and you can kind of take on a larger investment with one fell swoop. You don't necessarily need to keep your house as collateral down the road or, you know, whatever the case might be for that long-term plan. And if you have your house fully paid off and you can get that money at two to 3%, I mean, heck, why not? Why take out a seven and a three quarter percent loan through the SBA or tap into the standard rate account? right now? Standard yes, it seven. just went up. And seven I see and it going quarter. up again. It's going to go up and again too, right? I believe there's going to be two more interest rate hikes. I think that's what they're forecasting, but that this one just came out yesterday or today. Okay. So it, it went from seven and a half to seven and three quarters as of the last 24 to 48 hours. So, um, you know, it's, it's still reasonable for a first time business owner, but you know, if you have a portfolio of um, investments that are pretty high and you can take a loan on that, that's a creative way to get into business. And so so what do they call that? Is that called like an asset back loan with usually like your brokerage or? Yeah, securities-backed loan usually. So if you might have shares in a in a company that you've worked for for twenty years or whatever, and it's worth you know five hundred grand, but you can't pull it out, you can leverage that as as collateral. Is that and then get a loan against it? It all depends on your portfolio. So you know, for example, the, the easiest one I can give is kind of a generic idea of what that might look like. Is if you have a portfolio with your investment broker, whoever that might be and you have a $500,000 in blue chip stock, 
usually you could access up to 80% of that blue chip stock as a loan at a small percentage rate. It just means that those, those investments have to stay static for that period of time that you pull the, to pull the money out. Got it. So you can't trade them. As well. Right. You can't move that, those stocks. Correct. Yep. Okay. Correct. Unless you pay the loan off. Right. Um, and your brokerage account would be able to give you a lot of more information on that. We facilitate that in the sense that we provide information on the pros and cons of it. But the truth is that if you go through something like that, you know, you usually are going to pay us when your brokerage account knows more. So we're typically sending them back to their brokerage account in that situation rather than taking their money and being ineffective and helping them execute it. So are there any other cre uh, funding alternatives that people can think about besides HELOCs and asset-backed funding or asset-backed loans? There are some other options, but typically they get into more of the um, predatory predatory realm. Um, people shouldn't you know, take their you title on their car. People shouldn't take the title of their car. And... Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> or opening a 0% interest credit card and fund their business. Right, I wouldn't recommend doing that either. And there are some situations where, um, you know, an unsecured credit, which is basically a high limit credit card, is a good idea if someone has money coming down the fence or down the, down the pipe, or for example, they only need it for a short period of time. They know they can pay it back in 12 to 18 months. There's some really great, very low interest options, but they're for very specific situations. And one of the things that we really help people understand is if you don't have a way to pay this back in that short period of time, you can get so overwhelmed with the amount of debt that it can oftentimes be something that, you know, flips your business around, even if you're doing right. a great job. Yeah. So it is, a, it is a good option in certain cases for, for certain individuals. So Fran Fund takes a con consultative approach with each client. So I, I, I fill out a form online, I get pre-approved. And then what, you know, what happens next? Does a, you know, a, a rep call them and how, do, how does it all work? And how do you guys make the recommendation based on what the client wants to do? Yeah. So most of our business comes from referral partners. It could be a franchisor. It could be a business franchise broker. There's lots of different, you know, places where people might come across our information. And they're initially connected with one of our funding consultants whose job is to help them understand what do you have access to based on what it is you're pursuing. So we collect as much information as we can about what the franchise candidate is interested in, what they're currently looking at, um, the price range that they're considering, so on and so forth. And then we collect some very high level information on their financials just for that first phone call. So do they have retirement accounts? Are they qualified? Um, how much cash do they have available? What do they believe their credit score to be? So on and so forth. So that we can really start to help them understand what do you, what do you even have available to you? After that conversation, depending on what they are most interested in or where they are in the process, they will typically be interested in pursuing one or both of those paths, either through the rollover program or through SBA lending, since those are really our key offerings. If they're interested in some of those other alternative financing programs, we can provide them a lot of data on why it might be a good fit, why it might not be, how they go about finding more information. Um, and then we leave it up to them to take it to the next step. 
all of our consultations are free. Um, so we can talk to them as many times as they'd like, just so they can help understand. We can help them understand, you know, what do I need to do next? What, how do I get my questions answered? So on and so forth. If they're interested in the rollover, then at that point, it's just about them, you know, figuring out when they want to execute it and how to move forward and answering their questions about how everything comes together, so on and so forth. If it's the loan side of the business that they're interested in, then we take them through our pre-approval process and help them understand, can you make this program work or not? Typically, both of those things are happening during the development period when a candidate is learning more about the franchise and whether this is something they want to move forward with. So we recommend them either one of two things, identifying they do want to use the Fran plan or the rollover, that they have enough money to make that investment work, and or receiving a pre-approval prior to signing the franchise agreement. They can get one of those two things accomplished during that development process before they sign the franchise agreement and realistically before they meet or meet the team, if that's an option, or meet that last milestone, whatever it might be for that brand's process um, before actually signing the franchise agreement. For some people, it's an interview with the CEO. For some people, it's an in-person meeting, great. whatever the case might be. Once, yeah, once they kind of hit that mark, a lot of times things slow down until they actually sign the agreement and they're ready to move forward with that onboarding and the full financing program, which typically happens once they've already signed the franchise. And Abby, all right, so I signed the franchise agreements, pay my franchise fee. I can count that as equity injection, of course, as part you know, for my SBA loan. What are some things that people should just be aware of, you know, as they're going down the path of getting the final loan amount? Because I've always, you know, people end up sometimes hitting a wall because they don't have enough cash on hand uh, until they get the loan. So what do, what do you recommend and, you know, for people to have on hand as, you know, until they get the loan so that they can keep the, you know, the onboarding process and maybe, you know, setting up vendor accounts and moving things until the actual loan closes? So the two things that I always recommend is first, understand what things need to happen in order for that loan to close. So there are certain loan programs that the franchise agreement and a lease, if necessary, are going to be your two big milestones in order to go into closing with a loan. That's especially relevant if you have a physical location that is required for you to operate your business like a some sort of store or restaurant or whatever the case might be. The, the franchise agreement also must be signed, which is why most people wait until that's signed to start this process, though it's not required. If you're looking at another type of loan, and this is where, you know, having a conversation with your lender or your, your packager, which is what, what we would be, around what, what's necessary for me to get this loan closed. There are other loan products where the franchise agreement, the lease usually in many cases, and a training certificate are required. So having an open dialogue with the lender and with the franchisor to understand what expenses are required of me up until these points so that I can make sure that I have that cash available. Now, in many cases, if the loan you're looking for is... Um, is requiring 30% down, chances are that is going to cover all of the expenses you have. 
and the lender will require you to have that on hand in order to close the loan anyways. They're going to want to see you spent that money. You put your portion in before we put ours in. If you're looking at a loan that has a lower equity injection or a lower cash injection in the 10% range, you need to understand what other expenses do I have before I can get my training certificate and I can sign my franchise agreement and whatever, you know, get my lease signed so that I can plan for that accordingly. And so a lot of it will depend on the type of loan you're looking at and how far you can get before that loan is able to close. Absolutely. No, it's Did pretty clear as day. One? You know, understand what, okay. so like if I'm going to sign a lease, right? What is, what is the landlord's requirements? Is it first, last, and security? Is it first month? What, what, are, what are they requiring money that money's down to actually sign the lease and have a fully executed lease? If, if it comes to, um, so you talked about the franchise agreement. What's the franchise fee? Are there any other fees that the franchisor might charge that are above and beyond the franchise fees that I'll have to fund to, whether it's a project management fee, uh, a site selection fee or a brokerage fee. fee of some kind. What's that? A technology fee is oftentimes in there. Oh, technology, all that. Yeah, you have to understand those upfront fees in item seven of the FDD. So that way you're, you know, you're in line with what your upfront capital expenditure will be prior to um, actually closing on the loan. So Correct. Uh, there might be preliminary marketing costs or fees that you have to lay out. So just, just be aware of those fees uh, and make sure you have enough cash on hand to get you to the point where you can close the loan. Exactly. And in many cases, if, if you've qualified for a loan that only requires 10% down and you've gone beyond that in the necessary expenses in order to close the loan, you can use those funds to repay yourself if necessary. So correct. It's, it's more of a stop gap between needing to pay those expenses and then the loan finally closing to get that money back. And this is a perfect example where you recommend a 0% interest credit card for 24 months. You go out and maybe some of the vendors that you're working with early on, they'll allow, they'll take a credit card to, to get your account set up or to buy the marketing or, or, or the licensing fee of some kind. And, and that'll save you that cash outlay until you get the loan to pay yourself back or to pay that credit card back. Yeah. The one thing I would um, caution though, is that if that is something that you're looking into that you discuss that with your lender ahead of time, if there's anything that you're doing that changes your financial picture between the pre-approval and the hard approval, when you actually complete that loan package, you need to be upfront with that about your lender, about that with your lender, because if it's something that the lender pulls in their hard approval that was not listed in your initial package, it can either dramatically change what they view your financial capabilities as, or it can come across in some cases, even if it's not, even if it's not the case, right. that you withheld information from them. No, great, so, great, great point. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking to buy a car or a home in that period, be very open about that with your lender so that they can let you know whether that will impact your chances of that loan closing or not. They're your best resource. Well, great. We're coming up here on 35 minutes. I just wanted any other advice you want to give the audience on today's call. Uh, this has been very valuable. Good. I'm really glad. You know, I think my best piece of advice is find a partner, a financing partner that you trust and that gets you the information and the answers that you need. 
there are a lot of great solutions out there, but there are fewer groups that really can help you understand your full financial picture if you are not in a position to do that yourself. And so whether it's through the franchisor, whether it's you know a trusted advisor, whether it's a company that operates within financing in the franchise industry, having someone that you can have these discussions with that can really give you an overarching view of what's best for you and what makes the most sense for your financial situation, in my opinion, puts you a step above because, you know, it's so overstated, but having too much money is never a reason why a business does not succeed. Absolutely. So making sure you have the right strategy in place is incredibly important to getting your business off the ground. The other recommendation I always tell people is to use a company like Fran Fund as you're selecting your lender, because a lot of, I find it all the time, candidates will, they'll, they'll say, oh, I've worked with this banker for 15 years at Wells Fargo. They're great. I love them. And, you know, they, they promise the world to, to that candidate and then they get down the path and then they realize, oh, well, we can't do the loan. And so they've <laughs> wasted, you know, 90 days or 60 days of time to get that loan approval Versus working with a, a Fran Fund and other companies like Fran Fund who have those banking relationships and not just have one banking relationship, but have probably 300 plus banking relationships and understands what is the flavor of the month for the brand, for the asset allocation of the candidate, uh, all of that stuff. Is that also a good point? It's a great point. I think a lot of people have this idea in their brain that since they've banked at this, you know, lender, or they've done whatever with this lender. Well, the truth is you've never, if you've never been a small business owner, it doesn't matter what your relationship is with that lender. You've never had a small business loan through them. And that's an entirely different position to be in. And while there are exceptions to the rules, most local lenders don't understand franchising and they don't take the time to understand the brand you're looking at. And so while there are certain people who do get good deals and, and have great experiences with their local lenders, more often than not, it's just a huge headache because they get pulled through the ringer and ultimately don't get the loan. And it can cause a lot of fear for the candidate around the brand that they're looking at, because if that lender is not used to franchising and used to the brand, they can make the candidate feel that because they're not willing to underwrite this brand, that something is wrong with it. Right. When in all actuality, it's just not the world that they work in. They're not in this environment. And the lenders that we work with and, and that you know our, our other people in our industry work with are very familiar with franchising and are used to doing the due diligence on new brands or have experience with existing brands. And their processes are built around supporting what franchising brings to the table. Yeah, it's good stuff. Any last words of encouragement to people as they're, you know, because a lot of people that listen to our, our podcast are actually, you know, in the middle of the process, right? They're looking at us. They're looking at other concepts. They're, you know, they're kind of got fear and emotions are running high. And so any last pieces of advice you give people? Yeah. If you're in the thick of it, you know, there's this huge, there's this huge idea that lending is so difficult. Um, and it, once again, it can be if you pick the wrong partner, but I think finding a partner that works well for you will make this so much smoother and also know that, you know, in my, in my opinion, in, in the different roles that I've held within this industry, 
understanding what you can financially make work and sticking to that makes it so much smoother and easier to get into the business that's a good fit for you rather than feeling like, you know, I just, I can't make this work. I'm not meant to be a business owner because that's a, that's a falsity in my opinion, figuring out what your price range is and then looking at good solid concepts that fit within it will make it less scary and make it much more obtainable because I can tell you, I have seen so many people dramatically change their lives by finding that right fit. And it's so sad to me when someone gets afraid because of misinformation and it prevents them from taking that next step. So it's scary, but it's worth it. So find a good partner in franchise as a franchise and find a good lending partner and it will make it such a better experience. That's great. Good advice. Well, Abby Nickel is the national director of franchise relations, franchise or relations for Fran Fun. Abby, where can people go to find out more information about Fran Fun and seeing if they what's the best source of funding for them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you're interested in learning more about Fran Fund, I highly recommend checking out www.franfund.com. Um, you, you can call the line, you can fill out a form. We are a more boutique type of an organization, so you will not get an answering service. A person will pick up the phone and get you directed to the, the individuals that can help you learn more. We love working with first-time business owners or those looking to expand and would greatly appreciate the opportunity to speak to anyone who's interested in learning more. Abby, today's a special day too. It's your, it's your birthday. So everyone say happy birthday to Abby. <laughs> happy you. birthday. Yeah. And Abby, uh, aren't you number two coming soon? Number two. I do. Yes. I'm about to be a mama of two girls. So wow. watch out world. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Abby, truly, you can see me here. I have my hands together. I'm so thankful and grateful for you to taking the time out to do this. Uh, I think it's very valuable. And I think the folks that are listening in on this will, will get some good nuggets. And uh, yeah, until next time, everyone, this is Tudor Doctor in the House. I'm Scott Thompson, uh, Senior Vice President of Global Franchise Development. I've got Theo on the call. Theo, thanks again for being on with us. A pleasure as always. Thanks, everyone. And take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Scott.